The Last Word on Sport on Today FM. With Carlsberg, official beer partner of the FAI. Probably the best partnership in the world. Get the facts, be drink aware, visit drinkaware.ie. Mark Lawrence and Miguel Delaney with us. I'm going to start with Tony Cascarino. Tony, when it comes to key turning points in a season, Eddie Nketiah's winner for Arsenal against Manchester United at the weekend, how important and decisive might that turn out to be? Hugely, Matt. I mean, if you consider... I mean, I, I'm a fan of Eddie and have been for quite a long time, Matt, where I think he's a real live wire. Good finisher, always gets chances for his performance against Spurs, even though he didn't score at the Tottenham Stadium. I thought he did really well on that day. But that is a big goal, Matt. Beating Man United and taking something away from the game with City putting pressure on them before they played them, that's a big day for Arsenal. And, you know, they're a very young, energetic team. And you can see that, that they're really on the crest of a wave in many ways. But that finish, the little flick, Matt, he... And for his first goal, you know, he's positioning, getting himself in the far post area, good header. Um, and, you know, a lot of people thought that they'd buy a centre forward. And thankfully, I think for the Arsenal squad, Matt, that um, they've already got one there that can deliver. Whether you can say, will that be enough over the course of the rest of the season? I think he's shown enough now for even holding his place against Gabriel Jesus, Matt. Yeah, and Mark, I suppose the other young players have really been to the fore with Arsenal, haven't they? This thing, you can't win anything with kids. You know, Saka, okay, maybe on the wing, he isn't young as in the sense he's got experience with England, but he's still young. And Martin Odegaard is still a young fella as well, despite his years at Real Madrid. Just how good is this Arsenal team starting to look? Be a special player, Matt. Um, but great awareness, <clears throat> excuse me, two-footed as well. Um, just as interested in making opportunities for other players in the team and scoring himself. But, you know, if, if you just look through the whole squad, look at the two boys in midfield. I mean, Parky's been outstanding for them. And all of a sudden, you know, defence, all, all three components of the team, defence, midfield and attack, are very, very good. They can bring quality substitutes on as well. And the, the manager's driven. As we know, I still think it's going to be really, really tough to finish above Manchester City, but boy, they're giving it a, a real go. Yeah, Miguel Delaney, when do they play now each other in the league? When do we have that to look forward to? Well, it's 15 of February. I mean, it's kind of the interesting one because they meet in the Cup on Friday and usually when you get to that sort of game, they've already met once, but this was supposed to be the match that was played. Um, it was back in October, but then because of the Queen's death, Arsenal's European game against PSV was moved to that day. So it's very late for a first potential title shot in the season. But that, I suppose, only builds it up. Then the second one is even later. I think it's in the fifth last week of the season. Uh, it's, it's it's towards the end of April uh, when it could be a real crunch. And, and the way things are going, it could really come down to those two games. A little bit like Manchester City and Liverpool in 2018-19. And there are maybe some comparisons between that Liverpool and that Arsenal, not least, I suppose, in the points they're putting on the board. That There's only four teams in history that have had as many points at this point as Arsenal. Uh, one, actually, well, two are that Liverpool team, 2018-19 and then 2019-20. And one is a lot of this Manchester City, given they got 100 points in 2017-18. Are Manchester United out of it, do you reckon, now, Tony? Yes, man. I don't think there's enough there. I think they've shown a big improvement under Ten Hag, but I don't see a team... And really, that centre-forward position, I, I'm not... Matt, you touched on it on Friday. 
Anthony, does, he looks like a, a trickster. He looks like he all wants to do is do clicks. And I don't know, no matter. I really feel like they're, they're short in some ways. I think the deep squad, and loads of people have pointed out that still McTominay's there, Fred Sarah and others. It just feels, and one thing that stood out for me from the game, Luke Shaw, Matt, I'm not sure he was too comfortable with left back. And sometimes on international duty, you play against players, you know, that are in different clubs, but they come up against you because he looked really scared about getting too close to Saka. I kept thinking, with well, him training sessions with England in Qatar, he might have got a bit of a run around in there. Because it's really, <laughs> honestly, Matt, he, he really did give Saka an extra yard. He really did give him room to manoeuvre because I thought he, he was afraid to get too tight to Saka because he kept skipping past him and would go round him and inside him, Matt. What about Manchester City at the weekend, Mark? Because mm. two down at half time to Tottenham and looked like woo. Sorry, that was the other night. Sorry, I missed that. Yeah, yeah. But then coming right. back, wet wolves, Manchester City, Haaland back in form and getting the goals again. So Manchester City, they will be relentless, you'd assume now, won't they, in chasing down Arsenal? Yes, you would think so, Matt. That we've got a factor in the obviously Champions League, etc. So which is a competition that they really want to win and probably need to win. But yeah, they, I mean, they've, they've got so many players. I mean, if you just look at the starting eleven at the weekend and then look what was on the bench, it's, it, it's absolutely frightening. And, you know, the players know they've got to be absolutely tip-top to be picked. Sometimes they can be tip-top and be left out anyway by, by Guardiola. But everybody knows that they're a real threat. And I think, I think some, of, some of us have... Some of us old buffers who's looked at this league for a long, long time, I would still back Manchester City to win it because I, I think at some stage Arsenal will lose one or two games, maybe even more. And I think once City get in front, and we've seen it against Liverpool, they very rarely give anything away. Miguel, could though Guardiola blow it up for Manchester City by perhaps tinkering? We've already discussed on the programme some of his rather odd selections in recent times. And he does have a tendency in big games, doesn't he, to try things which don't always come off. Well, you wonder, has he already done the main bit of tinkering in, I know it sounds remarkable, but putting in Erling Haaland, given that, now, as brilliant as Haaland is, Guardiola's ideal of a team is basically 10 attacking midfielders controlling the ball. Like, I did a piece in this last week, we're looking at, at the Manchester Derby last year, which they won comfortably, and every single City player had at least 70 touches. Against United last week, which they lost, Haaland had 19. Now, of course, over the course of the season, Haaland's going to get, get them so many goals that, um, that, you know, that replaces other City goals from previous seasons and puts them right up there, of course. But you do wonder whether in some moments there'll be, there'll be that gap between what Guardiola idealises and this ideal number nine that he has, given that he's, all, he's actually always preferred a false line. Now, that's all that said. I, I'd agree with Mark in the sense that you know, if you're going on experience and evidence, you, you, the the sense in the league is still that City will just be capable of going on one of those runs, and it's, and it's why Sunday was all the more important because it keeps Arsenal momentum. I mean, I, I think say how they got four points out of um, Tottenham and Manchester United, I think people would have seen it as quite creditable, but uh, but there would have been that fallibility about them. Suddenly there was not a slip, but it wasn't perfection. Whereas this maintains what has been close to perfection and they'll probably need it. 
Do you think, uh, Tony, that Guardiola will regret having let Sinchenko go to Arsenal, not just for what he could still be giving City, but what he's added to Arsenal? It's a tough answer, that one, Matt, because if he didn't feel he's his best left-back and they could get decent money, I mean, he's a fabulous footballer. I mean, at times he drops into midfield and just picks it up and creates so much. Um, look, you look at the two boys, Gabriel Jesus and then Sinchenko, and Obviously, Arteta knows them both really well and knows what good players they are and what they'll do for Arsenal as a football club. And Guardiola was comfortable with that. You know, he looked at them and think, well, yeah, OK, I'll get decent money in. They've got a lot of good players in different positions. So it'll be a tough one, Matt. From the outside, if they did go on and win the league and them two had a big part to play, then I think Guardiola might think about it. But he's, he's so sure about what he wants, Matt. I just... I never think that Guardiola thinks, well, these are mistakes. Maybe just move players on at certain times. That happens to many a manager. Mark, I'm going to ask you about Everton and Frank Lampard. I think a lot of people would think, well, he had to go because he's not a particularly good manager. But who are Everton likely to get to replace him and what can a new manager do with those players? Well, um, they go for a firefighter, do they not? I've heard all sorts of names bounded about, but... Who? I think Sean Dice is, would appear would be in the running, and at the moment Matt is probably the manager that they need. And if you remember a few years ago, they appointed Allardyce, and all the all the Evertonians going, we don't want him, we don't like the way he plays. I think they, they finish eighth or ninth, and that's been the problem. Is that you know the, the club used to be fab, fabulous club, especially in the eighties, outstanding teams, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But they've just got every single year they've got worse and worse and worse. They've never been relegated out of the top division, so they need to stay in it. So you, you basically need somebody like a Dice, somebody like an Allardyce, and they go, oh, it's going back, you know, to the way. it doesn't matter. As long as they stay in the league, that's the most important thing, because if they don't, they're in real trouble. And as you know, and Miguel will know this, is financially, they are in a real, real mess. And I'm really surprised that people like Gordon and Pickford actually haven't walked out the door yet and signed for other, other teams because they really seriously need some money. What's the story, Miguel, as to a new manager and the potential of selling players to raise money to try and reinforce the squad? Well, this is the thing. I mean, as Mark's going to reference there, they're in a bit of a bind in a few ways. First of all, there's the immediacy of survival and what their long-term plans would be. Now, a lot of people would say one of the main problems at Everton over the last decade is they haven't had long-term plans or have kind of lost a sense of what where they are and what they are given some of the managerial appointments. Uh, but, I mean, one, one of the ones I heard today, obviously, Sean Dyche's name is being bandied about a lot. It's possible they'll go for him. But from what I've heard, they don't want Dyche in the long term because they want a different style of football, a more expansive style of football. But if he keeps them up, obviously this yeah. momentum will start to give him the job. But then all of that is complicated by the fact that, as Mark has spoken about there, they're building a new stadium. Now, there's this kind of theory about everything that they arguably need to go down for a year zero so they can have a complete refresh. Now, that would be fine, possibly, if they weren't under the immense financial pressure they are because they've got this new stadium. And, there, I mean, there is... It, it could cause a lot of economic difficulties if they went down. So it's kind of more than... The, the feeling is that it's more than Premier League survival that's at stake. It's... Um, to potentially save off some serious financial issues, uh, so and, and and it's why this decision is so key, and why they, they given results and given results against against those teams around them, they couldn't really persist with Frank Lampard. 
Tony, do you think is it given the way Aston Villa have recovered since Steven Gerrard left? Is it the end? Do you think for Gerrard and Lampard as Premier League managers? Oh, it's a bit harsh, Matt. Um, <laughs> uh, cool. Um, at the end, uh, look, I think Gerrard's uh, more likely to reappear. Frank Lampard's had three very good jobs now. Derby in the Championship had a lot of money at that particular time. Mason Mount was there. Harry Wilson. Um, from all right from Chelsea, all on good money for young kids. Um, then he got the Chelsea job, and then obviously we know what happened. There was an embargo, but they were still buying players. Uh, you know, Kovacic came in, Perisic before they went into the embargo, and it was a great squad, and ended up losing his job when they are 11th. Now, Everton are 19th, Matt. You know, he's had three very good jobs. Don't, Frank Lampard won't get a Premier League job. I don't think, Matt. And I, I don't know if he's the type of person to drop down a level. I always feel with Frank, he's a He's a bit um, paranoid at times, Matt, and um, I get this feeling that I don't. I think he'd see Championship beneath him, so I don't really see Frank reappearing. I think Gerard will. I think he'll dust himself down, and whether it's a Premier League game because it's such a tough league, Matt, to get back into the Premier League, it's a difficult one. But um, very difficult period, Matt, for good players. But um, they've been given great jobs, and Aston Villa's a great one, and Rangers for Gerard. So. Um, it's who wants it. They still got to want to be a manager, man. Lots of people. Mark, there's yeah. all sorts of rumours today that Liverpool, who of course had their mid-table scoreless draw with Chelsea mm. at the weekend, might be looking to sell players to raise the money for Jude Bellingham's purchase and others. And that Creevin mm-hmm. Kelleher could be sold. Now, would that make much sense, given that you don't normally get an awful lot of money for a reserve goalkeeper, and given that he has enormous potential that they might need in the future? Well, Liverpool probably would say yes to that, because we, we know Bellingham is one of the most exciting players around. Um, he's got fabulous ability, seems a level-headed guy as well. Yeah, you could possibly sacrifice a goalkeeper. I, I, think, I think there'd be lots going in. Well, Klopp's already said that the summer's going to be very, very busy. Lots of people going out and hopefully lots of people coming in. So um, that probably w- will answer your question. Um, as regards what's happening with the club, of course, still that's, that's ongoing. Do, do they want to sell the owners or do they just want investment, etc.? So you'll never know. But I, I was at the game on, on, on Sunday. Boy, did, did, did he see Mudrick, Matt? Did he see him? I didn't see the game, no. Oh my goodness, this fella is he's not quick. He's unbelievably quick. He looks I mean that's the first time I saw him, twenty five minutes, and sometimes you think, ah oh, well, he looks absolutely to be a superstar. Um what a signing he could be for Chelsea. And then Tony, I want to ask you about maybe the great Irish hope. Evan Ferguson scored again for Brighton at the weekend. Your old position is centre-forward, which we really need in the Irish national team. How much potential does this team this 18-year-old has? Well, Matt, the type of header he got was more of a header than a very experienced player. Knew what he wanted to do with it, direction, a great finish. I mean, it's a lot of excitement in Brighton, Matt, about him. So an 18-year-old, we certainly need a striker. That can, he's not the biggest, but he'll grow physically, he'll change over the next few years. But what you can see is a very composed forward, Matt, that's big, given a chance. And if you're getting that Brighton team that's done really well this season, that's an exciting thing for every Irish fan. Because since Robbie Keane, Matt, we will just knock down the striker. And look, Robbie was a special talent um, yeah. that got goals on a regular basis. But we've got nowhere near. We just keep our fingers crossed that you know, the lad can develop even more. Because 
you know, he's got a bit about him, pace as well, technique. So, yeah, exciting for us. Miguel, just to finish, it's Fulham against Spurs tonight. Reports said that Harry Kane is about to sign another long-term contract with Spurs, which would probably mean he'd finish his career there. Does that suggest a lack of ambition on his part? Well, I, I, w- I wouldn't say he's about to sign a new contract. I would put it that the reports that came out were uh, interestingly worded in that it was that if the circumstances are right, he would be open to a new deal. Now, I think that's necessarily vague because ultimately we know what Kane wants. He he, he wants for Spurs to be competitive. That would be his preference, to win a trophy with Spurs. But we are, we are getting to a point where it comes to a crunch. Uh, he's in the final 18 months of his deal. Uh, if he doesn't sign in the next year, he can go for free in 2024. And suddenly it gives them the stronger hand in any potential negotiations with Daniel Levy, which they didn't have two years ago when he was trying to go to Manchester City. Uh, and I, I think that, just my reading of it is, the way this has come out, this is a message to Spurs. And, and also, let's not forget, there's a, there's a little bit of a public relations battle here as well, given, you know, he, he did lose a PR battle in 2021. Spurs don't want to be seen to losing their best player. Kane doesn't want to be seen to forcing his way out of a club that he loves. Um, so I wouldn't say it's quite done yet. OK, thank you. Miguel Delaney, Chief Football Writer with The Independent, Tony Cascarino and Mark Lawrence. The last word on sport on Today FM. With Carlsberg, official beer partner of the FAI. Probably the best partnership in the world. Get the facts, be drink aware, visit drinkaware.ie.